0: Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the bulldozer Bowser. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Wright. This is Quick Dick, Quick Dick coming to you from Toughness, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Theo Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, Hockey Net in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast.
1: We got a great one on tap for you today, folks. Um, before we get to it, let's get to today's episode sponsors, teaming up with the Lloyd Minster Region Health Foundation for Lloyd Minster's Gift to the Health, which is happening on December 15th, Tuesday, December 15th. It's a live stream, 12 hours, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Facebook uh, or YouTube, search Lloyd Minster Region Health Foundation. Uh, I'm telling you, I have put in a ton of work over the last week, um, getting this thing ready. We got an amazing lineup coming in for 12 hours. There is, n- There will be no replays. Last year we had a replay of a couple of pre records. Let me tell you this we have about 55 to 65 different people from the community coming in to talk about what we're doing and share some stories and have some fun. And all the money's going to a good cause, we're raising money for the Lloydminster Hospital and continuing care. So that's December 15th, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, on Facebook. Or YouTube, so make sure you pay attention. That's this Tuesday. Clinton, the team over at Trophy Gallery, championship belts, custom medals, diecast signage, name tags, engraving on Yetis and Brewmates, business awards in crystal and glass. They ship Canada wide. TrophyGallery.ca. If you go there, they got over five thousand products. Use the promo code Newman for fifteen percent off. Any sport, anytime. From bodybuilding to hockey, visit trophygallery.ca. Carly Clausen and Windsor Plywood have signed back on with the podcast. Builders of the podcast studio table. For everything wood, these are the guys, whether we're talking about mantles, decks, windows, doors, or sheds. When you want quality, stop in and see the group at Windsor Plywood. Or just hop on your phone and take a look at their Instagram page. Give them a call today, 780-875-9663. HSI Group, they're the local oil field burners and combustion experts that can help make sure you have a compliant system working for you. The team also offers security, surveillance, and automation products for residential, commercial livestock, and agricultural applications. They use technology to give you peace of mind so you can focus on the things that truly matter. Stop in today and visit Brody Cam at 3902 52nd Street or give them a call at 306-825-6310. Clay Smiley and the team over at Profit River. They're the retailers of firearms, optics, accessories serving all of Canada. They specialize in importing firearms from the United States, hard to find calibers, rare firearms, special editions. Check them out at profitriver.com. Gartner Management I I signed on with with Wade this uh, this week for 2021 podcast ain't leaving the beautiful new studio we're going to be here for 2021 for sure hopefully onwards uh he's a lloyd minster based company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs whether you're looking for something similar to this or maybe some 6,000 square foot commercial space you need a little room to move so to speak give way to call at 780-808-5025 shout out to read and write and miss deanna wandler uh Mrs. Deanna Wander, that is, uh, for building the SMP billboard. If you're looking for outdoor advertising, Read&Write is the place to stop. If you're heading into any of these businesses, make sure you let them know you heard about them on the podcast. I know COVID's got uh, restrictions all over the place on us, but if you do see them out in a boat, folks, let them know. If you're interested in advertising on the show for 2021, visit seannewmanpodcast.com. In the top right corner, hit the contact button and send me your info. we got lots of different options, and I want to find something that can work for the both of us. Now, let's get on to that T Bar One tale of the tape. <music> Originally from McNutt, Saskatchewan, he did the play-by-play for the Brandon Wheat Kings, the Manitoba Moose. From 1998 to 2006, he hosted Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Since July 2006, he's been with TSN, and he has become one of the best hockey insiders there is. I'm talking about Mr. Darren Drager. So buckle up. Here we go.
0: Hi, everybody. This is Darren Drager. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Well,
1: welcome to the Sean Newman podcast today. I'm joined by Mr. Darren Drager. So uh, first off, sir, thanks for, for hopping on.
0: Hey, no worries, Sean. As you can see, uh, I've gotten rid of the TV attire, and this is Darren Drager in my uh, home office slash studio, probably 99.5% of the time.
1: Well, first off, I guess, uh, how, how are things in your world, um, uh, adjusting it, I'm I say the new norm, but geez, we've been in this now for, it's yeah. been a long time. It's been, you know, eight, nine months, I suppose now that it's kind of been, we've been kind of in this. So how are things going on your end? It seems that's probably where we should start is, is well-being, I think has been on yeah. the top of my mind a lot lately.
0: Yeah. And I think that's fair. I think that, you know, you speak for most of us when you say that and all things considered, um, you know, in the dragger world, all things are, are going well. You know, I'm fortunate enough to, again, be able to have the, the home studio, so uh, we can almost do everything that we would normally do. Uh, we can do virtually here for TSN. We've got Insider Trading, which, you know, airs Tuesdays and Thursdays on, on SportsCenter on, and on TSN.ca. Um, you know, I do That's Hockey with Gino Retta a couple of times a week, multiple radio shows over the course of the week, and that's the professional side of my life. Uh, personally, what's different is uh, I have two children. I've got an almost 22-year-old daughter, Katie, who's in fourth-year university at Ryerson. Uh, she wrote her LSAT you know, during the pandemic and has applied to multiple law schools across Canada. Uh, so she's here online, you know, trying to complete uh, year four online from home. And my 19-year-old son, Mason, who is a student at Guelph University, he's in his second year. And he too is is working from home. And on top of all of that, if I didn't uh, confuse my family enough, we uh, actually sold our house and bought and renovated another house <laughs> this summer in the midst of uh, a global pandemic. So that's kind of Sean. That's how I, you know, keep my sanity, to be frank, um, by by occupying my days with whatever is is going on. You know, personally, it was a renovation and throwing myself into a general contracting type of role. And then professionally, you know, there's uh, still lots of hockey talk, I would say around the NHL and with the upcoming World Juniors focusing on that as well.
1: Well, a busy guy. That's that's what I hear. I truckle I, I myself because uh, in in the podcasting world, I, w- I started this in February 2019. The listeners get to hear this probably once every couple of weeks. I tell this story. But when I started in February 2019, I was doing one a week. And I uh, really enjoyed it, but I work full time. I got three kids, uh, four yeah. and under. So I'm a different type of busy from your two older ones. Uh, and then when the pandemic hit, instead of like, well, I guess I'll sit at home, I started cranking out like, well, two a week is what I release, but I've been working with the city here in Lloydminster and we've been doing anywhere between two and four a week. And it's the wow. way to, but it's a way to keep my mind occupied. And I find uh, that's something. Um, A lot of us are starting to focus on now because you're starting to see some people, uh, me specifically friends close to me that, you know, the mental side of it has become a really, really big thing, uh, across our country. But I mean, even further than that, Darren across the world now. Right. Like, I mean, everybody can't escape what's going on, uh, worldwide.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a very fair point. And, uh, the mental health side of things is, is obviously very real. Um, and, and I've, I've felt that I've struggled with that at times. And, um, you know, even to go back to my home renovations, um, you know, normally I grew up in Western Canada. So, you know, I spent a lot of time growing up on the farm in, uh, the machine. McNutt? Is it McNutt? Uh, Well, that was, that's kind of, we had a farm near McNutt. Yes. So I went to uh, elementary school in McNutt up until grade nine. And then I shifted over to uh, Langeburg where I went to high school and I, I played hockey all the way through in, in Langeburg and uh, in whatnot. But, you know, again, the prairie lifestyle, you, you, you know, you spend a lot of your days outside, particularly when you're working on a farm. I mean, that's pretty obvious. So, when, when we bought this new house, it's not like I didn't have the room in the old house, but we bought this new house and we knew we were doing the full-scale renovation. And the, the garage, which is attached to the house, it's a nice three-car garage. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna pimp this baby out. I'm gonna pimp this thing out because I need a safe environment for my small bubble of buddies. And really it's, it's primarily it's three, no, it's four, um dads from minor hockey teams that my son played on over the years right so I did that man I like I pimped that garage out uh, I've got a big screen TV on the wall I've got a furnace in there that keeps that thing as warm as I needed to, to to be um, did the floors uh, put a fancy fridge the whole nine yards and and you know afterwards I'm thinking okay well am I am I just being selfish here like am I just absolutely being yes of course I'm being selfish but it it gave me peace of mind knowing that moving forward because look the restrictions in Ontario as they are in Alberta but Ontario has been you know very restrictive for a long long period of time we're not officially in lockdown mode where I am in the region that I am but it is still very restrictive so you have to maintain that that very tight bubble group so I thought look uh, I mean, we have to have somewhere in the, in the winter where, you know, we can still socially distance um, but we've got the big screen TV and, and we can watch football on, on Sundays. We can watch whatever the sporting event is. We watch the masters for heaven's sake on there. And I very much look forward to that experience every couple of weeks where, you know, three, four fellows get together in my garage again you know, we do things as safe as we possibly can. We may crack a beverage or two, watch some sports. And that's how I get my mental health fixed when I need it.
1: Well, listen, you, you don't have to explain your garage to me. You're looking at what I've built and I built this in the middle of, uh, at the start of all this. So I know nice. exactly what you mean. You need a happy spot. You need a place yeah. where you could go and you kind of, you know, the phone goes off and yeah. you kind of forget about the world for a little bit. And, uh, I, I've been saying a lot lately, Darren, that, um, Man, I, I at times you get annoyed with the amount of chatter about specifically the Edmonton Oilers and specifically Connor McDavid because for some reason fans like to have the argument whether he's good or not, which uh, hurts my brain. And you push yeah. that away. And then when it goes away and all you get is what's currently going on, uh, man, all I want back is sports. And having a little bit of NFL football right now, yeah. I mean, NFL finds a way to get through all of this, don't they? Like they are an absolute juggernaut.
0: Yes. Uh, yes. In answer to your question, no question about that. And, and obviously the NFL is an empire uh, and juggernaut is the right word. Um, I, I guess what, what I kind of remind myself on, on a weekly basis is, you know, if the NFL had been going, um, you know, during its off season uh, and the number of tests that we see on a weekly basis, you know, we're surfacing, or if, you know, we, there would have been public outrage. There would have been shock and awe. We'd all been going, how can they still be playing? I mean, this number of personnel or players are testing positive, yet they continue to forge through. Um, but they, I, I think we've all kind of grown accustomed to that sort of positioning by the National Football League. And, you know, I think they've been as responsible, and, and some would argue that they haven't been, but as responsible as they have to be in postponing games and, and in doing all of these things, but I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm still surprised that the NFL, given the size of their rosters, the number of people that simply have to be involved to put on an NFL game, let alone a, a full-on production on Sundays and the varying uh, games of the week, et cetera, uh, that they've been able to do it and, and have done it for the most part without significant interruption or a first full scale uh, league pause. So, um, at the start of this week, Sean, uh, I reported that I, I wasn't specific to the NFL, but I'll, I'll share this with you and, and our podcast listeners slash viewers. You know, the NHL was uh, and still is considering, you know, maybe pushing back the opening of training camps in the National Hockey League until after the holidays. So, you're talking about late December, you're talking about early January. And, at this point, because of the discussions with the PA, that makes sense. And one of my sources said to me, as I was working on this story earlier this week, well, we expect some pretty scary news coming out of the NFL this week. And I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what that news is. Um, but, you know, those leagues pay close attention to one another, right? And, and so if something bad, like a, a forced pause were to happen in the National Football League, I think that that would very much enact a reset button for all major sports where everybody went, okay, the the NFL has tried, you know, somewhat miraculously, I would say, to forge forward, but now they're not able to do that. So maybe we better pump the brakes here and and just, you know, let the second wave of the pandemic run its course until our health officials and medical experts tell us, okay, you can – resume but we're going to tighten things up that hasn't happened in the nfl here's knocking on wood hoping that it doesn't happen but if it were to happen i think that there'd be a significant ripple effect
1: yeah well you're talking about the biggest i love the nhl but the uh the nfl once again is a juggernaut it's the biggest like it is just and it's a behemoth and so if they uh take a step back it makes sense that every other sport's going to rethink their go forward plans. That I, I that's uh, that's an interesting thought. It's, it's one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people just look forward to having something on the TV to kind of yeah. lose themselves in, so to speak. Uh, you know, um, and if that gets taken away and everything gets taken away, geez, I mean, that's, that's a scary thought. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> I've been, I've been wondering this, go back to you, Darren. I was doing the math. I, I'd listened to an interview of yours, uh, you, you know, and, uh, the study of Darren Drager on the way into this podcast. <laughs> and you said somewhere between 10 and 15 of these you do in a week. Now I'm not yeah. meaning specifically podcasts, but just like sit downs, whatever. And I was doing the math on that. That means in the last 14 years, since you've been at TSN, then you've done somewhere over 10,000. And that's probably light 10,000 sit downs, uh, like just spots, like it hurts my brain. So I got thinking, I'm like, Hey, you're a hockey insider. You're a sports insider. geez, You do an exceptional job. Let me, let me put a feather in your cap first. Most, uh, I mean, like you now that Bob is, is, hung the Cape up. I mean, you're next in line in my opinion, but Hey, that's just one guy's opinion out in small town, Saskatchewan. Now, in all those interviews of 10,000 plus, has there never been a question asked or has there never, has there ever been a question asked, never asked, that you've wanted asked? Like, is there something that's sitting there that to, you, you talk an awful lot about hockey, current events, uh, insider knowledge, each breaking down each Canadian team. I mean, like what you do is, is fantastic. And the fact you can do it across all of Canada is even more impressive. Yeah. But that's a lot about the, the, the NHL, the sporting leagues. Is there something that uh, uh, Darren Drager has never been asked that uh, he would love to be asked?
0: Uh, well, professionally, there, there is something that, again, hailing from Saskatchewan, this won't come as a surprise to you. Um, but I, I, I would like to be asked if I weren't focused and immersed in hockey, Right. Uh, professionally speaking and and personally I mean hockey's been such a big part of my life but if I wasn't professionally you know stuck with hockey what other sport would I be covering
1: well Um, well then if you weren't immersed in professionally so to speak in hockey what would you be what would you want to cover
0: curling curling I kid you not I kid you not. And, and I know I can, I can tell a big of a surprise.
1: Well, it, well I should back that off by saying in Canada, curling's a big deal, but I mean, yes. on the grand scheme of things, curling's not a big deal. And I know yeah. I got some people yelling at the radio right now. I get yeah. curling is a big deal, but I mean, we just talked about the NFL for 15 minutes. I mean, like there's some other sports that would be interesting, but, Give me your love of curling. Let's hear it.
0: Well, okay, and again, we're, we're not talking about the finances that that go into this. I mean, there are lots of people who do great work covering curling. Um, That you know, if if they were covering the National Football League or baseball or the NHL, obviously they, they'd probably make more money. I don't know. I, um,
1: I, I should I should clarify. I wasn't talking about money. I I okay. I I, I wasn't meaning money. Why go to the NFL? Go to I just mean. Yeah. The, no, I wasn't meaning money. I, I, okay. I need to clarify that. I wasn't worried right. about money uh, at all. So the love well, of curling is, is interesting <laughs> to me.
0: So, you know, again, uh, you mentioned McNutt, Saskatchewan earlier um, and, and going to school there and then into high school in, in Langenberg. And, it, you know, I, I vividly recall, <clears throat> you know, the school sports, including curling. So, you know, when we weren't playing, well, we were playing hockey at night and, and we were curling. I mean, that's what you do in the winters in small town Saskatchewan. There's nothing else to do. And back then we didn't have video games and all that nonsense. And I think we had maybe four, maybe six channels on TV. So you had to do something to occupy your life. And I didn't play a high level of hockey. Um, I got to a point in, I guess it was midget, um, where... Yeah, I had some SGHL interest, but I, I just knew that I wasn't going to go anywhere in hockey, and, and I actually turned out to be a better curler than I was a hockey player, which would surprise no one who uh, grew up with me, um, but then I, I got into the business, um, and I worked at GX94 in Yorkton. And did a little bit of everything there. You know, I, I covered hockey, I covered agriculture, news, the whole the whole gamut. Then I moved to Brandon. Um, and before I was calling games in the Western Hockey League, his play-by-play voice of the Brandon Weekings, again, Sean, I was doing everything, man. I mean, I was doing full-on curling reports. Now, that's what you have to do in small-town radio. I mean, they're sponsored, money-making uh, type of projects, so you have to do it. But... All of a sudden, you know, I, you know I, the, the station started sending me to the briars. And then when the world championships were in Canada, I, I was covering world championships. And that's a real interesting and tight fraternity of those who cover curling, especially here in Canada. I'm going to throw a name at you. And I used to travel all the time with this gentleman. and What a good dude he, he is. Um, his name is Resby Coots. That's quite a handle, right? Yeah, Resby Coots, and if you want to Google Resby, um, I, I mean, uh, he is vintage curling when it comes to curling journalism, uh, and and I, we just got to be good friends. I learned a lot from Resby, and in in in, a, in a, you know just in a uh, the the inner workings of, of curling and all that. And I fell in love with the game. I, I really truly did. So as ridiculous as it sounds, I always tease the people. Brian Mudrick and company at TSN, I say, just watch your back. You watch your back because I come from a long line of curlers and I've got a curling background. And if I ever get bored, I'm in my early 50s now, Sean. If I get bored with hockey, don't be surprised if I find a way to you know, wedge myself into the TSN curling coverage group.
1: So you curious then. You love it so much, right? Obviously that's the, the, I've asked that question before, Darren, of, uh, uh, if there's anything they remember to ask, most people can't give me much. They're like, ah, you know, like obviously that one, I I like that. So my question then to follow it up, obviously is, so if you could transplace yourself, go back, go back to your 20 year old self, you're doing all these different things. You obviously have a love of curling. Couldn't you, could now maybe I'm wrong on this, and maybe uh, maybe Resby knows better. Maybe Resby <laughs> told you, but when when you go back there, if you had if you had stayed with curling, and become the very best at curling, just like you're the, I'd argue now one of the very best at hockey, wouldn't the money have followed? Or is it just it's not possible?
0: No, it probably would have. But I think you'd have to diversify. Like I I think of a colleague of mine, Bob Weeks. Right? Um, you know, Bob Weeks is noted for, you know, his, his coverage of, of golf for TSN, right? And the multiple shows that he does, he was just part of the, the TSN panel covering the Masters in Augusta, uh, but he's got a rich curling background and, you know, he spent a, a lot of time covering curling over the years. So, yeah, I think you have to be able to diversify. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, you, you've got to be willing and able to change with the times. Um, but I, look, I... Again, uh, Resby's getting a lot of airtime here, but I, I recall having, driving <laughs> from whatever event back to Brandon, Manitoba. And this was the time where I, I uh, had the opportunity to, uh, to I got to think about which station it was, but I, I could go full-time into hockey or I could stay doing a little bit of, of everything. And he was hesitant. He was like, look, man, I, you know, uh, curling is such a big part of your life um, and you're good at what you do and covering and all of those things. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you've got to follow a path. And, you know, if you think that your path is going to lead you higher up the, the broadcast food chain, whatever that is through hockey, then you have to pursue that. And uh, that, that kind of resonated with me to, to a point you know, and, and you know then I moved from Brandon into Winnipeg, and it was CKY Winnipeg at the time. And there again, I, I had the best of, of all worlds. Um, you know it wasn't too long before the Winnipeg Jets left the NHL version and went became the, the Phoenix Coyotes. I was the play by play voice for the Manitoba Moose, which was the international hockey league team in Winnipeg at the time, and loved that. Uh, But also had the opportunity because of all the great curlers in Winnipeg to, again, cover the briars and the the, the world championships locally and whatnot. It just as my career developed, Sean, um, especially when I moved to Edmonton out of Winnipeg, when I became host of the Edmonton Oilers in 1997, I was only there for 10 months, 97 through 98. And then 98, I I moved to launch uh, CTV Sportsnet in Toronto. Well, when I got a taste of, of working very closely with the NHL, I'm not talking about covering the Jets like I did in Winnipeg. I'm talking about having to be, you know, at practice every day, getting to know the players, getting to know the team personnel, traveling on the planes with the Edmonton Oilers, and, and just being immersed in that world. Man, I fell in love with it in a, in a hurry. And then just the gathering of information in the National Hockey League, because it's, it's so immense – um, and different now with social media, but back then, you know, there were so many good stories to tell that I, I just, I, I, I fell in love with hockey and, and very quickly, everything else just seemed to get pushed to the wayside only because there's only 24 hours in a day. And I, I didn't have enough time to do it all.
1: Well, I should first let, uh, ease off the curlers. I, I enjoy I, I gotta be very clear here. I got three older brothers, Darren, and you just became probably dustin one of my older brother's favorites now because he loves curling loves okay. loves loves curling i on the other hand suck at curling i am probably yeah. the worst curler i'm just terrible at it so
0: it's a hard sport people don't realize that they think you just jump on the hat no and hell
1: no and it's smart like when you watch yeah. the game uh the the top levels, man, there's, there's some strategy there. It's, it's, I it's a great, that. it's a great, that way I, I can agree. It's, it's a nice grab a sipping beverage and sit and watch it on TV. I a hundred percent.
0: And I do this with golf, um, on Sundays, the beauty is you can fall asleep. You can nod off for 45 <laughs> minutes or so. Wake up. And yeah. You might've missed somebody got a deuce, you know, this in the end before they blanked all of that. You don't feel like you've missed everything when it comes to golf. <laughs> I'm I'm not being disrespectful. That's no that's my quiet time and my my source of relaxation on the couch on Sundays.
1: I do it with baseball. Buck the and the Toronto day? Blue Jays. You 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 you, yeah. you start out in the inning one, inning two. Buck lulls you off. You have a nice little nap. You wake up for the seven, eight, nine. It's perfect. I love it. He's got the greatest voice in the <laughs> world. So I totally get that. Now you bring up the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. And if I am correct in thinking you're there in 97 98 which means which means you talk about getting to know a team personally and uh, growing to understand guys and everything but what you leave out of that year is you get to see Kudrow save you get to see Todd Marchant score game 7 I'm like 13 year no I love yeah man. 11 years old geez got to do yeah. math here I'm 11 years old that moment is imprinted in my brain I'm running around the house I'm not so sure I was supposed to be up watching that and somehow you got to be in the building for maybe yeah, one of the most iconic moments in Oilers yeah. post Stanley Cup winning like that moment is pretty cool
0: yeah Renny Corbet, uh the save, you know uh, against the Colorado Avalanche right that uh, and Todd Marchand had about 500 breakaways uh, that season. I mean, and in the playoffs, you know, he was, he was tremendous, a bit of a fun story. So speaking of Langeburg, Saskatchewan, Kelly Buckberger, as you know, also comes from Langeburg, Saskatchewan and uh, his wife, Carla uh, is a twin sister of my best friend in the world, Claire DeCook. And, and so, I, I mean, I've known Kelly and Carla my entire life, essentially. So Kelly is a captain of the Edmonton Oilers at the time. They, they beat Colorado before going on to take on Dallas. And uh, I'm doing this live interview into A Channel at the time with Kelly Buckberger. And I, I maybe the first or last question I asked, I can't remember. And I said, hey, Bucky, I said, you know, if you think back to the start of the season and the Oilers were expected to struggle that year, you know, did, could you ever, you know, dreamt or believed that we'd be standing here together together after round one of the Stanley cup playoffs. And he he looks into the camera and looks at me and says, well, I would believe that I was going to be standing here, but I didn't think you'd be standing here with me in other words, what are you doing here? You have no business being here. You're from, you know, small town, Saskatchewan. I'm an NHL. I mean, it was Buckberger poking fun at me obviously, but uh, I, uh, that was, again, I'm glad you brought that, that year up because, you know, aside from what I said earlier about being, you know, entrenched embedded with the Edmonton Oilers that season, that was really where, Uh, the passion for me started to develop at the National Hockey League level and traveling with that team and, you know, seeing firsthand, you know, everything that these players, you know, had to sacrifice, you know, to get through two rounds of the playoffs. We're not talking about getting to the Stanley Cup final, but in Dallas, Sean, that's also where my career took a turn. So um, as I mentioned, you know, 1998 CTV Sportsnet launches in Toronto. So I'm in Dallas and Barry Stafford, who's an equipment trainer with the Edmonton Oilers, comes out of the dressing room. It's an off day skate. And he goes, Dregs, there's there's a call for you in the trainer's room. I'm like, what? I I literally believe I'm being pranked here because, again, I'm a member of the media. I'm not employed by the Edmonton Oilers. I'm not part of the inner sanctum here. I'm like, come on, Barry, what's going on? You no, know, no, seriously, there's a guy on the phone in the trainer's office, and I think you should take it. It, it. it sounds pretty serious. So, all right, I take the bait. I go in there, pick up the phone. It's like an old rotary phone, right? Don't. <laughs> I think we had cell phones, but they were flip phones. And anyway, um, so I pick up the phone and I uh, said, hey, it's Darren speaking. And uh, Darren, this is Scott Moore. And at the time, Scott was like, wasn't the president of CTV, uh, CTV Sportsnet, but he certainly would have been a vice president of, of Sportsnet. And he was managing all of the hiring of all talent in launching this new national network. And he goes, Scott Moore here from CTV Sportsnet. Tell me something. Why have I never heard of you before? <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, okay. I, uh, now I'm, I'm 100% sure I'm getting pranked. I'm like, come on, who is this? And there's a bit of a pause, and he says, "Well, I just told you, it's Scott Moore." <clears throat> and I said, "I'm in the trainer's office in Dallas with the Oilers." I said, "I got a feeling I'm—I've been set up." And he goes, "No, no, no, no." He goes, <clears throat> "Excuse me." He goes, "Don Metz gave me your number, passed along a videotape uh, of your work, uh, and I'd like to meet with you because there might be an opportunity for you here in Toronto." And then the light went off because I literally had just had a meeting with Don Metz before the start of the playoffs. So, you know, maybe three weeks uh, to a month prior. And I said, look, Metsy, um, well-connected guy was a big part of a And I'm not sure if you've heard of that company out there, but you remember the old boys in the bus. Yeah. Uh,
1: Who uh, doesn't remember yeah, that?
0: Yes. Of course you would remember that. Well, Don Metz uh, produced and shot all of that. I mean, this guy, when it comes to, uh, you know, TV in Western Canada certainly is, is iconic. So I had met with him to say, look, I like it in Edmonton. I didn't love that. I was doing everything. You know, I, I mean, I was literally working 20 hours a day because, you know, I was sports director for a channel. uh, So I was doing all the other things that you have to do in a sports department. And I was traveling with the team and, hosting those games and whatnot. So I was trying to encourage maybe a bigger portfolio with the Oilers um, and, and less of what I was doing with the local station. Anyway, he said, well, are you aware that this network is launching in Toronto, CTV Sports and I said, yeah, I've read about it, but I don't know much about it. And he goes, well, if you don't mind, you know, let me flip a tape. Scott Moore is a good buddy of mine and you know, let's see where it goes. So as soon as Moore mentioned uh, Don Metz, then I went, oh, geez. He's not kidding and got through the playoffs and, you know, maybe three weeks, a month later, my wife and I were on a, on a plane from Edmonton to Toronto. And uh, for the weekend to uh, spend, spend some time uh, looking at uh, everything Toronto has to offer and getting wined and dined by the sports brass. And, you know, we got back, we uh, basically, I put in my resignation and moved to Toronto. So relatively small world
1: and quick. You moved, you move fast. It's, it's, uh, very, uh, impressive, interesting, like both (laughs) just how, how quickly, you know, uh, certain you talk to certain people and it takes a long time to get from one place to the next. And then maybe it spirals from there, uh, your career trajectory. I mean, it takes time. I'm not saying it doesn't take time, but I mean, in a general sense, you're, you're moving a lot. Um, you know, you go from a tiny little S.A.S. town, then tiny. to Yorkton, then to Brandon, then to Winnipeg, then to Edmonton, then to Toronto. What, uh, you know, you go from the tiniest of tiny to the biggest of big in Canada. Yeah. Was there an adjustment there?
0: Oh, huge adjustment. Huge Sean. Um, and in fact, I've never lived in Toronto. Um, I, you know, the greater Toronto area, the GTA is, is technically where I live. Um, You know, it's hard to escape. I mean, when you look at the metropolis that Toronto is, but when we first, my wife and I Holly and I first moved uh, to Toronto, she was pregnant with my uh, daughter Katie. And we lived on the outskirts of Toronto, North York. And we didn't live there very long, about a year or so bought a house in Ajax, Ontario, again, a suburb of Toronto. Um, and then moved to further out to Brooklyn, Ontario, where I'm at now. And when we moved into Brooklyn, it was maybe five to 7,000 people lived in this tiny little bedroom community, which attracted us to it. We loved it. It's, you know, relatively small town. And now Brooklyn's probably ballooned to 30,000, maybe more uh, in a relatively short period of time. But we've always kind of adhered to those roots and my daughter again Ryerson University is essentially downtown Toronto and and so where my daughter has been living for the last few years of course we go and visit and spend time with her and each time we go when we're driving in, I I tease my wife and I say Holly you know w- when I retire I mean we should we should really consider buying a condo down here I mean you know you've got great theater the You know, the Scotiabank isn't that far away and go to NHL games. I mean, all the amenities are right here. And she is like, no chance we're doing that. Absolutely zero chance (laughs) we're living in a concrete jungle. So um, we will always say, and and this is not a slight, and I I repeat myself, uh, because this will come as no surprise to you and and to those who, who listen to me, I always refer to myself as Western Canadian, even though I, you know, again, we've, we've lived in the Toronto area since 1998, both children, uh, born in or near Toronto. Um, they'll probably call Ontario home for the rest of, of their lives. I don't know, depending on what their career paths are. Um, but probably a dozen times a year, we get a bit nostalgic and we start looking at properties in Saskatchewan <laughs> you know, Berta, lots of family in BC, Sean. And we're like, you know, we're creeping closer to retirement, whenever that is, whatever that looks like, you know, maybe we should consider making that move. We haven't pulled the trigger on anything yet, but uh, uh, I just, uh, yeah, it's it's the small town roots and both of us growing up on a farm that uh, keep us a safe distance away from downtown Toronto.
1: Well, I will say this, there is something very special about uh, small town, Saskatchewan, but probably small town communities across yeah. the planet. I don't, I don't think it's, well, actually I know specifically growing up in small town Saskatchewan, there's something special about it, but you hear similar stories about different parts of the world. And I, I think small towns are just such a tightly knit group there. Uh, yeah. everyone looking out for each other and, you know, they're just there's just fun stories I, I you know I've got to interview quite a, a lot uh, a spectrum of people and a lot of them from Saskatchewan and some of the funny stories that go on in the the curling rinks and the hockey rinks specifically because those are the hearts of specifically the Saskatchewan communities um really ties those communities together but on a, a, a bigger sense all of Saskatchewan can relate with that that's why a guy like Quick Dick McDick is so popular out here is because, I mean, like the guy just resonates with all of Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan, you know, it's, we haven't had for the last hundred years where if you want to be, I don't know, Darren Drager, you got to move. So Saskatchewan is, you know, we're like weeds. We're kind of just spread all (laughs) over the country.
0: There always seems to be, it doesn't matter who you come across. And I'm surprised by that. Uh, in Toronto, although less so now over the years, just, you know, all the people who maybe if they don't directly hail from Saskatchewan, like Darren Titian, who's a buddy and a, uh, of course a, a good colleague of mine, you know, you've got people at TSN and, and throughout our industry who have relatives from Saskatchewan always seems to go back to the prairies in some way, shape or form. So kind of warms the heart when you think of it that way.
1: Now it is 10 to, uh, we got 10 minutes left. Does that sound about right? And then I should let you
0: yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind, yep. we've got nope. another uh, meeting set up. So totally all
1: cool. Is. Well, what we're going to do then is we're going to go into, uh, well, actually before we get to the crude master final five, I got to ask, cause you, yeah. you, you, worked in Brandon, uh, you, t- you talk about that being formidable years Well, you yeah. can see over my shoulder. Uh, we all know whose Jersey that is. He's from my Later home. That's right. He's from Hillmont, Saskatchewan, where I'm from. Um, you got to have a fun story about Wade back when he was young. I, I assume you were young at the same time, but Wade would have been a young guy, uh, really young. He probably would have been like 16, 17 when he, he was. when he was in Brandon. You got to see him at that time. Uh, a fond memory maybe from back then?
0: Uh, like so many. Um, but I would say that the vast majority of my memories of Wade Redden are, are hockey specific. And that's not to say that, you know, he, he doesn't have a personality or, you know, he doesn't have a friendly side to him. Of course he does. Anybody who spent two seconds with Wade Redden knows that, you know, he's a very approachable man and he's done so many great things in every community that he's, he's lived in. I remember, um, and, and, you know, now he's on his way out of the NHL. He was with the New York Rangers and distastefully so got sent to the American heart uh, to the American heart, uh, can't even say it. American hockey league in Hartford. And one of the first things that he did when he got there, because he was making his NHL salary, six plus million, whatever it was playing in the AHL was buy everybody like laptop computers <laughs> or something along those lines, something of significance to say, Hey, you know, I'm just another guy here. Uh, but I recognize I'm making way more money than the rest of you. So my treat. Um, very giving person. But from a hockey standpoint, Sean, every building that we would go into when I was doing play by play, you know, be it scouts, um, rival coaches, general managers, media, it doesn't matter who, they all said the same thing. Like does he play with this much poise and confidence all the time? And we're talking about a 16 year old kid back then. You know, as he was introducing himself, you know, to the Western Hockey League and that never changed. He was unflappable. And, you know, as he honed his skills, clearly he got better and he got better and he got better and he got better, which led him to be uh, a leader in the National Hockey League and a terrific NHL player. Uh, So I, you know, it's cliche to say that as good a hockey player as Wade Redden was, he is was is every bit as good a person but in this case it's a hundred percent right and you know i'll extend that to the rest of the family i've had the good fortune of spending time you know with the redden family they're just salt of the earth people terrific human beings so i've got nothing but high praise for wade redden
1: well before we start with our crude master final five do you need a drink i've been you have impressed me that you've been able to keep it together without just pausing you got something You all right?
0: I'm okay, but I'm going to tell a quick story because I get asked this not necessarily uh, on air, but off air all the time, because especially in in the pandemic world we're living in now, anytime you cough or clear your throat, people assume you've got a symptom, right? Um, And I've had dozens of asthma, respiratory-related tests. Uh, I've had all kinds of acid reflux, stomach-related tests. Um, and 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 all sorts of allergy tests on top of that. I've had a cough and like a slight cough and an itchy, scratchy throat on occasion for probably fifteen years. No kidding. Yeah, and said so, I've gone to uh, vocal specialists, and they they believe that it's a combination of things. It's <clears throat> the fact that I talk so much, which irritates my vocal cords and whatnot. Um, in combination with maybe food and things that, that, that I eat, that sort of thing. Uh, but I just want everybody to appreciate that. I'm actually healthy, Sean. I'm, I'm yeah, good. Fair. I just fair. need to uh, clear Norm, normally,
1: off. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the only reason I bring it up is because I can see it. Y- 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 yeah. Yeah. And I, that, I did not know that. I, I had no idea. I'm well, glad I asked. People
0: do. Yes, yeah. I'm glad I, I asked. You're, you're very astute. <laughs>
1: Well, here, let's do the Crude Master Final Five so yeah. I can get you out on time so you can get to your next one. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Busiest man on the planet here. Okay, so five quick questions. Shout out to Crude Master uh, Transport, Heath and Tracy uh, McDonald, for supporting podcast since the very beginning. Uh, Thank you. Now, my first one, since it's your first time on, is always, always, if you could sit down like this, and I know you guys do the Ray and Drags podcast, and you guys have had some phenomenal guests. But let's say you could have anyone on the planet, past or present, on the Rain Drags podcast to sit down and pick their brain like we're doing. Who would you want to sit down and have a beer with?
0: Arnold Palmer.
1: Arnold Palmer.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i far from a, an Arnold Palmer aficionado. Um, I I, yeah, I, know perhaps more than the basics. Um, but, you know, the king just epitomized class um as you know a golfer at the top of his field for for so many years and again for me it it transcends beyond the game what are you doing in society what are you doing in your community what are you doing to help the world and everything that i've read everything that i saw when uh, arnold palmer was alive just led me to believe that he was a terrific human being but we've all got skeletons, right? Um, and we've we've all got secrets and stories to share. I'm not sure that he'd want a lot of those out there. And I'm just guessing. I don't know what they are. But I was fascinated, still am fascinated by Arnold Palmer just because of of the aura of the, the, the life that that man uh, lived. So he'd be one for sure, but I could probably come up with a few more.
1: Now, that's an interesting one. That's the first time that guy's been brought up. And uh, you you talk about skeletons and everything. I think, that's, I think that's what makes a person human. I think it's endearing 100%. to hear, for, to hear yeah. about what makes a person. Because yeah. as long as it's on a format like this and not just a headline, yeah. you can talk about what you're doing in that part of your life. And I mean, people understand. Listen, there's nobody on this planet Earth that doesn't have a few skeletons, like you said, in their closet 100%. and can can understand. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that, that makes sense, right? For sure. Number two, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. just had their 50-on-50 uh, uh, 50 50, uh, fight, watched it, enjoyed it. Now, if Darren Drager could pull somebody uh, out of the media into a boxing ring, who would you challenge?
0: Ooh. Uh, well, from a fun approach, uh, maybe Ryan Rashog, our Edmonton <laughs> Bureau guy. <laughs> Uh, just and I say that, of course, uh, and, and look, Rashog's fight card is better than mine. He at least had a cup of coffee in the Western Hockey League, and I've seen at least one of his WHL fights. He did okay. Self-deprecating humor, he, he thinks that he got pummeled, and he really didn't, but we've traveled so much together that we know how to push each other's buttons better than anyone, so uh, I could have some fun swatting him around. Um, beyond that I like to think I get along with everybody I will say this Steve Simmons is a columnist for the Toronto Sun I interviewed Roger Nielsen years and years and years ago and it wasn't long after the diagnosis of uh, Roger Nielsen having cancer and Simmons in his Sunday uh, column and I, I can't remember the exact quote and, and, and Steve and I have talked about this since and he's a, he's a decent guy and He's an excellent columnist, so I'll, I'll pay him his due. He wrote something along the lines. I did this long sit-down interview with Roger Nielsen. It was set up by Mike Keenan. Uh, and and Roger, before we started, said, look, very, very uh, man of faith, like very religious person, right? So he said, can you please ask me if I'm afraid to die? And... <laughs> it's a pretty deep question, man. It, it certainly you know, is it's a pretty deep question. And the reason he wanted me to ask that again was just an expression of his faith and that he just believed that as much as he had done in his life, he was going to a better place. And he wanted to convey that message and just how confident he he, he was at the time in his faith. And I, so I asked the question, of course, I'm going to ask the question and I don't know specifically if it was that question Simmons didn't like, but he said for any aspiring broadcaster or journalist who wants to learn how to not ask a question or interview somebody, watch this interview that Darren Gregor did with Roger Nielsen, man, that pissed me off. Like that stuck me right between the eyes. And look, I've been criticized a million times. And I don't even think that's an exaggeration <laughs> that hundred percent comes with the territory, but that one hurt. And so I'd like to take at least two good swipes at Steve Simmons, just dating back to that interview, which was probably 15, 16 years ago, something like that.
1: Well, I appreciate you asking the question. Cause I think that's, I, I, Personally, as you've felt from the way I do my, I think yeah. that's a great. I think that's a great question. I think that'd be tough to ask, but a worthwhile one to do. So, the fact he wanted you to ask it, I think, is pretty is pretty cool.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, now we're closing in on time here. So no,
0: that's okay. So let's get. What do we got? Three left.
1: We got three left.
0: Okay, I'll be quick. I promise.
1: I, I no no no. I, I don't want you to be quick. I just want to make sure you get on to your next thing. I don't want to hold you up. So yeah. number three is I changed it because. Now knowing your fascination of curling. Yeah. Uh if you were to go to a two-person curling bonds bill you had to pick one teammate to take with you. Who are you taking?
0: Well, uh, probably my good buddy Claire DeCook, who, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, is uh Carla Buckberger's twin brother. And we've been like brothers, you know, since high school. And he's a tremendous curler. Uh, he's been a whisker away from the briar a number of times over the years. So that, that would be one for sure. But then if if you look at it on a a bigger scale, these Northern Alberta boys or Northern Ontario boys, uh, you know, Brad Jacobs and the Harnden brothers uh, I've spent some time helped raise a bit of money uh, for charity with them at a golf tournament. Any one of those guys I would happily saddle up with. Uh, Wayne Madaw is a good buddy of mine. Um, Jeff Stouten always liked Jeff Stouten, um, and Kerry Burton I can't forget Kerry Burtnick from my Winnipeg days as well. So that's more than one.
1: I see him behind you. You got a bunch of books. Uh, I assume uh, that relates that you enjoy some reading. What uh, what book would you recommend me, or what are you currently reading? Either or.
0: Ah. Uh... Well, I've read a couple here. The Eddie Olchuk book is fantastic. That one's right there. I'm not sure you can see it. Okay. Uh, Hockey Confidential, that Bob McKenzie is is pushing, is uh, is a good one. Um, Beauties, which James Duthie is pushing, uh, I'm in. So any book that I'm in, Sean, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy. But you see, Nick Keprios also put out his undrafted book, and I'm in that one as well. So, uh those are the ones that I've I've uh, leafed through. I haven't read them cover to cover. Eddie Olchuk's, uh is fantastic, just because it includes his battle with cancer and um, you know the support that he had from friends and family and whatnot. Oh, and did I mention I'm in that one as well? So, uh, so you uh, just
1: gave me all the books you make a cameo in. That's what you're it, saying?
0: pretty much, <laughs> pretty much.
1: <laughs> all right, your your fifth and final one. What was the worst part of being seatmates with Chris Dingman back in Brandon? He has been on the uh, on the podcast. He mentioned that he got to be uh, seatmates with you, so it's your turn to fire back at Mister Dingman.
0: Well, I, it's pretty obvious his enormous size. I mean, he's been six four, six five, two twenty, two thirty, whatever. He's probably trimmed down now since he was like fourteen years old. You know, he breaks into the Western Hockey League as a mountain of a man. You had to. Twin Towers there and Colin Cloutier and, uh, and Chris Dingman. Just two terrific young lads. I, I, like, I don't know that I've laughed so hard in my life than the time that I spent with Dinger and, and that group, particularly on the bus. But, you know, because he was a young guy, he didn't have the benefit of growing, going back into the bunks of the old Wheat King bus. There was like a dozen bunks or so back there. And they were all reserved for the veterans. So the young guys maybe got to sleep an hour or two. And that was only when the veterans would depart and they'd, they'd allow these youngsters to to climb into uh, one of the bunks for an hour or so. So, you know what that meant? Dinger's like Buffalo size head would be on my shoulder half the time on some of the long road trips. You made a good
1: pillow. Did you?
0: (laughs) Wow. That. And, uh, he could eat like a horse. And, and it was good for me from a health perspective because, look, I'm not burning calories. All I'm doing is calling the games. I mean, I'm not you – know, so we, we'd stop at whatever the pizza place was on, on the way home after a game and load up on the Zaw, and I'd get the same size pizza that every player got. Why well, can't eat 12 pieces of pizza? <laughs> so Dinger would give me the wink every single time, hey you make sure you bring that pizza on the bus. So he, there's, there's the good and the bad of dinger. You don't get that big without looking after yourself and making sure that you're eating well. And he ate well because he <laughs> ate his dinner and half of mine pretty much every day.
1: Well, thanks for hopping on Darren. I really appreciate it. This has been a, it's been a fun little, uh, fun little hour sitting down with you.
0: Uh, my pleasure, Sean. Thanks for thinking to me and, Thanks for having me, and uh, congratulations on your list of guests, by the way. Not that I'm a podcast snob, because I like to, to, to help out wherever I can, but I went through your list of, uh, of podcast guests. I guess the only thing that disappointed me was the fact that I'm like 52 on your list of uh, NHL interviews.
1: I'd like to point out I messaged and never, ever got a response, so... <laughs>
0: We're going to put well, that one back
1: on Darren Drager.
0: I, I did explain, and I am so bad with this. <laughs> I just, I barely can DM people on Twitter, let alone try and manage my messages on Instagram. Like Instagram for me is a, is a means of showing pictures of my dog and what's going on. So I apologize, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect.
1: Yeah. Thanks again, Darren.
0: You bet. Thank you.
1: Hey folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.